<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine expert and best-selling author. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine practitioner. My day job is I consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth clinics in the world over a decade ago. So from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., that's my main focus, is getting to consult people just like you around the world. And from that, from that clinical experience, are ripple effects of that passion of educating people and empowering people, informing people about functional medicine, about health and wellness and tools to have agency over your wellness. And that's where this podcast is really born out of is these deeper conversations that you can have on Instagram, you can have on social media, but not in the same way as this long form medium that is podcast. So this is my first solo podcast. And I've written about these topics as well. Over the years, I've written Ketotarian, which is my first book. It's a mostly plant-based, clean, ketogenic diet. Second book is The Inflammation Spectrum. And my newest book is called Intuitive Fasting. It's, as its name suggests, an intuitive, flexible way to do intermittent fasting. And again, it's born out of my clinical experience of seeing how to use fasting in a way that works for people and to find out what your body loves and what your body hates. And we're all created differently. So there's not a one size fits all. And I can make broad sweeping overgeneralized statements and pontificate about these things, but I don't want to do that. I want for you to find out what your body loves and what your body hates. And we're all different. And that's a heart of functional medicine. It's bio-individuality. We're all different. So definitely exploring that concept in intuitive fasting. It's on pre-order right now. And we have a lot of pre-order swag going on at drwillcole.com. You can get access to a private online fasting group with live Q&As with me. You can get a download of a shopping guide, which is based on the meal plan in intuitive fasting. You can also get a sneak peek of intuitive fasting right now. So check that out at drwillcole.com. And also we offer a free webcam or phone health evaluation. If you want to see if functional medicine is right for you, uh, and see if our telehealth center is a right fit for you and we can uh, get that journey started for you. But anyways, so enough about me. Let's talk about today's guest. He is a brilliant legend in this space of health and wellness. His name is Dave Asprey. He is the founder and chairman of Bulletproof. So if you've ever heard of Bulletproof coffee or Bulletproof bars or anything Bulletproof, Dave Asprey is the founder and CEO of this. He is the three-time New York Times bestselling science author. He's the host of the Webby Award-winning podcast, Bulletproof Radio, and he has been featured on the Today Show, CNN, the New York Times, Dr. Oz, and so much more. He is, for the last two decades, he has been basically the father of biohacking. So I have, am so excited that he's on today's show because we learn from the father of biohacking and how to better your life and make your life more optimal from this leader in this space. So he has a new book out 
It's called Fast This Way. So we get into it, my friends. We get into intermittent fasting and all different types of fasting, the benefits of it, the science of it. We talk about the biohacking of fasting. Basically, how do you make fasting easier and how do you make fasting more effective? I got to learn so much from Dave Asprey today. Uh, So anyways, let's get right to my conversation with Dave Asprey. Dave freaking Asprey, how are you doing, my friend? (laughs) I'm doing great, Will. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm honored. Please, you need no introduction for sure, but you're you're the father of biohacking in many ways, and I consider you sort of the father of modern awareness of fasting in many ways. I think you brought it to the forefront years ago. Oh, thank you. Uh, People people don't even realize that, but what you the conversation that you started a long time ago. Um, and father, maybe may, I don't want to mean to like age you by saying father, but <laughs> you're a, a, a definitely a pioneer in many ways. Thank so you. you have this amazing new book out. But before we talk about the book, for people that somehow are living in Iraq and don't know who, who you are, break down your work, break down your mission. Well, I used to weigh 300 pounds when I was young and I had arthritis in my knees when I was 14. Most of the diseases of aging, you know, prediabetes, high risk of stroke and heart attack on labs before I was 30. Doctors couldn't seem to figure it out, at least not the ones I was seeing back then. So I decided I was going to do it myself. And I ended up spending a million dollars in 20 years and ran an anti-aging nonprofit group for a while and ended up at this place where I knew enough to be worth sharing. Started a little blog and said, hey, there's this thing you can do in coffee that's kind of weird. It involves butter and MCT oil. And all the science, I knew at least some of it back then. And I just had tested it so much on myself. I'd lost my 100 pounds. I turned off my hunger. I learned how to do intermittent fasting. And I just started talking about it, uh, not planning to start a company. And you know, a few years later, Bulletproof is pretty well known. We've got really good collagen protein. Our new chocolate dip protein bars are amazing. And I'm now a soon to be four times New York Times bestselling author sharing stuff that matters. That's kind mm-hmm. of my story. I have some I love time it. as a fat computer hacker in there and health influencer <laughs> and science author and all that. I mean, did you, like looking back when this all started for you and you transformed your health, you started talking about this stuff. Did you know that you would be used in the way that you are to impact health and, and, and the conversation around health in such a significant way? Not at first. I mean, there's enlightened self-interest. I bought disability insurance when I was 26. So I'm like, I don't know if I would hire myself because I can't remember anything and because I'm tired all the time. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there was definitely a personal need at the beginning. But then when I started running the anti-aging nonprofit and I saw people who were in their 70s getting younger and I just realized how much I had to learn from my elders, uh, I said, you know, maybe sometime I'll start sharing this. And when I started blogging, I do work with intention and you know, I've done all kinds of you know, trips to Tibet for a reason to learn meditation and how to make things mm-hmm. happen. And I wrote down on a sheet of paper that said, I'm going to be one of the most, uh, let's see, one of the most influential voices positively impacting the health of people on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Big goal, but not one of those, I'm going to you know, feed X million of people or it, it wasn't a number. It was just like, I want to do good stuff. But even then, I was a VP at a big tech company with stock options and two young kids. I wasn't going to start a company. It, it just mm-hmm. happened because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So do you feel like so far in your career, so far in your life, what has been your most, like what excites you the most as far as accomplishments go? What, what's like top of your list for that? Well, one of the big ones um, is way back in the day, the... The, the two things, if you were to look back, if I was to look back with the lens of history, the first mm-hmm. product, the first thing ever sold over the internet was a caffeine t-shirt out of my dorm room. Before e-commerce had a name, the first thing sold. So that was e-commerce right there. But I was in a yeah. dorm room and eventually I'm like, I'm so tired of putting t-shirts in boxes. I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> you know, I could have just gone and got funded and been a cabillionaire. Uh, like others did, but I didn't. Uh, And then with cloud computing, (laughs) I have a poster on my wall over there. I was at the company that held Google's first two computers. And we grew to a $36 billion company in the late 90s. 
And I was there and I know for a fact, the first shipping pay as you go, what we call cloud today, was my baby at that company. Like, like it was the, pro- the project that I envisioned and shepherded along. And of course, lots of engineers wow. and all. So like, I, I feel like I, I in tech, I, I could see all this good stuff was going to happen. And it's kind of my job, as far as I can tell, to help meaningful stuff happen. And eventually I just stopped caring. I'm like, you know what? Tech is done. Maybe with machine learning, there's cool stuff now. But for a long time, it's like another social media thing. I just can't. So then all of a sudden, I've been hacking my body and I'm like, maybe other people will think I'm not a freak. Maybe I can make it cool. And now when I look back, you know, people lose a million pounds. Some of the stuff that probably matters most to me is, I remember uh, a family came up to me in Austin once and the guy said, Dave, I have a, a card for you. I want you to open it. And he also handed me a, a grocery bag full of grass-fed steak. <laughs> and in it was a picture of his family. And they were all obese, you know, red, just like I was as a kid, you know, red pimply face, you know, flushed cheeks. And he said, Dave, my whole family went bulletproof six months ago. And here's a picture of my daughter. She's 16. And she went from kind of like I looked when I was, you know, getting pretty heavy there. And she was a perfectly happy, healthy, normal weight, vibrant 16 year old in six months. And he's, and so the card had been signed by everyone in the family, just like, thanks, Dave. Like, it wasn't that hard. We did it. And honestly, just connecting with what it was like being a fat teenager and, you know, having the brain that goes with being overweight where it's just hard to pay attention. You know, you're Mm -hmm. pushing really hard, but you're not getting results for the pushing. Uh, Just to know Mm -hmm. on a real personal level that, you know, someone's whole trajectory of life just from teenager onward, like, oh, you get to be healthy. You get to have energy. You don't go through just the pain and struggle and shit and the emotional stuff um, that you go through, not just because you're heavy, but because your brain doesn't work as well when your metabolism isn't yeah. working. So for me, really, <laughs> it's those things. It's those one-on-one interactions. That's, that's probably what stands out the most. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's so powerful to see it. And I always say this as a clinician, I'm used to like walking someone through this and clinically monitoring them. But I, as an author, this is like still new for me, but you've been in, at this for a long time. It's probably is very trippy for lack of a better word to not ever met a person, but see them take the stuff that worked for you and worked for people around you, but you've never met them in your life. And you've been, it probably never gets old. It, it doesn't get old. It always feels good. Yeah. When you walk through Whole Foods, you walk through these stores that Bulletproof's everywhere. Does that get old? I mean, what, what do you, it has to be pretty amazing to see what your, this concept that you had in your brain manifest in so many different ways. It, it's odd. Uh, starting a company is a lot like having a child. And I can say that because I have two children. <laughs> so there's, a, there's like a, a, a paternal or a maternal feeling that you have when a company's young. It, it just needs so much care and attention and, and it gets to be a teenager and all that. And when mm-hmm. I go to Whole Foods, you know, and I see the collagen and I see our brain octane and, and the, the chocolate dip protein bars and the, the new cans of cold brew, they're just there on the shelf. And I see people who don't know me and who I don't know, just, you know, picking it up and going, oh, reading the label and putting it in their basket. I think that's probably what I'll feel like when I'm, uh, maybe when, when I'm, I'm watching my kids, you know, maybe have their kids or, or my, my kids, you know, mm-hmm. when they're out and they're done with their school and they're out and they're like building their life and you're like, you know, I'm so happy, you know, that I, I could be there when they needed me and that it's, it's got its own, like they've got their own energy, their own weight, like they've, they've got their own energy. And I feel like Bulletproof mm-hmm. has gotten there where, you know, I am chairman, I am founder and I'm watching, right? But I don't have to do what I did early. And, and so it, it just, it feels great. You, you go in there, you're like, wow, you know, I'm grateful that the Whole Foods buyers are saying, all right, we, you know, we, we like this. I'm grateful that all the other grocery stores, I mean, we're in Walmart, we're in 7-Eleven, you know, we're in Kroger and, and you know, tens of thousands of, of grocery stores. One of my dreams when I started the company was, you know what? I'm so tired of just like going on a road trip and there's nothing to eat. And I can go to 7-Eleven and I can buy something I want to eat. Like this is a new thing yes. for me. And you know, I swear I almost had like a tear in my eye. I'm like, oh my God, we didn't just get into the trial of 7-Eleven. We got into like lots of 7-Elevens because that's how you know that it's becoming a part of our culture, right? That, that it's mm-hmm. in, you know, Walmart, it's in Costco, it's, it's arrived. And so, man, how could you yeah. not feel just like, yeah, just good about that? Totally. I mean, over the past 12 years, 
it shocks me how much more choice we have at those random gas stations or at Walmarts or Aldi or all these things where they're getting more and more options and you're leading, you're part of that conversation in a, in a significant way. Whereas who could imagine the 80s and 90s and 2000s, like all those years where the idea of having a healthy bar or a healthy option at a gas station is really cool. Obviously, we have a long ways to go. We do have a long ways to go as far as this country is concerned and, and around the world as far as Western culture and, and improving someone's health. But uh, wow, I mean, it's so cool that the changes we've made over the past 12 years, in part, thanks to thanks to you. If I could like be a Bulletproof fan for a moment and my favorite things are the bars with the the vanilla shortbread? Oh, yeah. Those is that are so good. Flavor and you know so many bars they just suck. Like the flavors, they, they they're good in theory. Like the ingredients are good, but then you have them and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's just horrible. Not the bulletproof bars. They are so amazing. Oh man, Th- thanks for recognizing that. It took two years to make a collagen bar that was edible because it's really hard to work with collagen. And my my take on this, it, it's actually the same as it is with fasting, where it's like, look. If it's hard and unpleasant, you're not going to do it. And <laughs> yeah. any health practice, if it sucks, you'll do it for a little while and then you just naturally will stop. And, and so it's got to be tasty. First, it has to make you feel good when you're done. Then it's got to be tasty. Then it has to be convenient because we don't want to waste our time, right? And then mm-hmm. it's got to do good things for the planet, thus grass-fed because we like soil because soil grows our vegetables. You can't have soil without animal poop. And then mm-hmm. you get to that final thing, uh, you know, what, uh, what's it going to cost? And I just, I believe people are smart enough to spend 10 cents more on something that makes them feel mm-hmm. good. And many food executives will tell you the opposite. No, people are dumb. They only want to buy the cheapest thing possible. And I'm not making anything even a little bit healthier if the cost goes up by half a cent. And I, I've, literally, I've had that conversation. Like if I make it cost one cent more, mm-hmm. my competitors will come in and make something crappier for one cent less and then people will buy them. And I just said, you know what? I think more of people than that. And I know there's enough customers who are willing to spend to feel more energy because energy is precious. I know because I had chronic fatigue syndrome <laughs> and fibromyalgia and I was a beast and I did not have energy. And so mm-hmm. who cares if you have time and money if you're tired and you just can't wake up? It, none of that matters. It's all about mm-hmm. energy and it's all about what underlies energy, which is a working metabolism. So now my, my first one was let's disrupt and let's fix big food. Let's show how it can be done. Right. And there are many companies working on that right now. And even some of the big companies are starting to wake up to that because their sales are falling. <laughs> and then yeah. the next part though is to say, guys, I know that snacking is fun and I know it's very profitable, but you know what? What if you only snacked when you needed to snack? What if we actually could skip some meals? And as a guy who sells food for, from one of my companies, I have four or five companies now, maybe I should just eat all the damn time, which is a good business model. It's just not good for us. So I'm now going through that, let's teach people how to fast and then how to break your fast with food that doesn't make you hungry again. I just never want to feel mm-hmm. hunger again. Even if I'm hungry, I'm okay to feel hunger, but I don't want to feel a craving. And I spent my whole life mm-hmm. not knowing that hungers and cravings were different things because I was always craving because I was eating crap. And like, I don't want to do that mm-hmm. to kids. I don't want to do that to adults. I don't want to do that to parents or teachers or anyone else. So that, that's where I am now on fasting. And I, I love it that you yeah. and I are so aligned there. And it doesn't have to be militant. It doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to be unpleasant. It's just something that we do kind of like sleeping. Yeah, totally. I, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about your book, Fastest Way. Um, one other thing that I love from Bulletproof, and then we'll, then we'll move on, is the fat water. I mean, genius, genius <laughs> Thanks, in man. many ways. My, ki- my kids love it. And it's like, like I have a 14-year-old. I have an 11 year old, they're picky, they're kids, whatever. Uh, these are the things like my kids will have, which I really, I, I, this is my moment to thank you because this is like, not just because I love health and wellness and I eat things because they're good for me. It's like, no, we could eat, we can actually enjoy the foods that we have and, and the fat water's on that list too. Oh, thank you. That's a product a lot of people don't know about because you're not supposed to be able to mix fat and water, but with certain types of unusual fats you can. And I couldn't have told you why it worked uh, when I made it. I just knew it worked. Now uh, I funded research at the University of Washington around basic water chemistry. And it turns out tiny droplets of butter fat or MCT oil suspended in water change the structure of the water to make it into the exclusions on water that we use in our cells to fold proteins. So I think the reason I get like a little bit of a, almost like a high 
from, from fat water. Like you're thinking like, yeah, like it, it goes in your tongue and your body's like, yeah, more of that. It's because the water is yeah. already ready for use in the body. And there's emerging science on that front, but I don't know, there's something cool going on. And you just wrote your book, Intuitive Fasting. Intuition is what drives products. And like the MCT oil that, that we make for Bulletproof. When I started it, the cheap MCT oil, there's four kinds of MCT oil. The cheapest one is lauric acid, but you drink mm -hmm. MCT oil, or you use it in your food or your coffee, or whatever, made with all the types of MCT. It doesn't work very well. You don't get the, mm, yeah. And if you use the yeah. normal MCT, that's eight and 10, it kind of works, but there's no science showing the difference between eight and 10. But I tried just the eight. I was like, oh yeah, that's the one, even though it's the rarest and most expensive. So that's what I launched with. That's what we use. And you know what? Five years after we launched the company based on intuition, okay? I could have sold the cheap stuff, but it didn't feel right. Then research comes out of UC San Diego, uh, Dr. Kinane, and he tested the exact C8 MCT that we use at Bulletproof and found it's four times more ketogenic than coconut oil. Like who would have thought, right? You could feel it. And it's that idea, I'm going to yeah. do what I can feel is right, which is, which is really cool. And that's a part of knowing how to fast. And certainly that... It, goes right in with your intuitive fasting book and certainly with what yeah. I talk about in Fast This Way. So would you say that that intuition has guided you throughout your career then? Yeah, uh, it, it has. And one of my other companies, 40 Years of Zen, it's pretty esoteric. It's a neuroscience company. People come in for five days and we look at their brain waves. And there are many different types of brains and they can all be sharpened and up upgraded and increased voltage. So I've, I've kind of taken my brain to the race car mechanic and we had to build the race car mechanic so I could do that. Uh, and I spent four months of my life doing that. And what I've learned from that and from meeting with, you know, Tibetan lamas and other people like that is one of my uh, superpowers there is I, I can see the future in ways that other people don't. And I'm not claiming I'm that special because there's many things I don't do well at all, <laughs> but I'm maybe overweighted on that. And that's why, like, like why wouldn't someone sell t-shirts over the internet. Seems like a good idea. Meanwhile, there's a Rutgers professor um, at the time saying no one will ever make money on the internet. And the reason I got famous when I was 23, I was an entrepreneur magazine and my double extra large t-shirt and all this stuff. It's because I, I, like, I went on and I trolled him. I'm like, well, you might be from a big Ivy League school, but I'm already doing it. You know, like some angry young punk um, who would probably be an obsessive keto guy right now because <laughs> I was young and angry and unwilling to listen. But yeah, um, that, that idea, like it just seems obvious to me, but, but I realize it's not, it's rare. Yeah, certainly. So fast this way, the new book, it's amazing. Uh, I read it and we speak a similar language. Like we're on the same page in many ways, but you bring such a deep level of knowledge and insight uh, over the, your years of experience that I, I'm really excited for people to read it. So tell me, tell me about the Genesis. I'm curious about that. Like what was the impetus to put it in book form and get this information out there? Well, when I published the Bulletproof Diet book in 2014, um, it was my first New York Times book and it was, uh, it's helped people lose a huge amount of weight. And yeah. I still find though, people say fasting, like, like it, it's abhorrent and it's scary. And then I look at what's happening in the world of intermittent fasting, which is a part of the whole Bulletproof program and has been for years. But it's almost like keto has gone, if you eat a carb again, you're a bad person. And then fasting is mm -hmm. like, well, I fasted and I did this OMAD thing. I'm going to do OMAD every day for the rest of my life. And I'm like, guys, I kind of lived this when I was doing all my experiments. Like, you're going to lose some hair. Your thyroid's not going to like it. Your testosterone's going to drop. Like, maybe you should just like go out of ketosis every now and then. <laughs> like, just because something's good yeah. doesn't mean more is bad. You can drown in water, mm. even though you should have water most days, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So exactly that. And I also, I wanted to write a book for myself when I was, you know, 18 or 20 and I was fat. And if someone told me, hey, you're going to skip a meal. I'd be like, but I will be hypoglybitchy, but I will be unable to function, right? I mm -hmm. will starve. My body will go into starvation mode and I'll get even fatter and I'm terrified of getting fatter. And I had all these voices in my head, right? And so it's not hard to fast. In fact, I was afraid when I talked to my publisher about writing a fasting book. I'm like, there's already really good fasting books out there. The science, good God, I, I wrote the science, you know, 10 years ago. Like the science is there. We yeah. all know fasting works. And here's my fasting book. 
skip breakfast. Done. Right, go to you know, like it's not hard, right? But why is it hard? It's hard because people don't know the emotional and the mental side of it. And for me, I was afraid of being hungry. I was, you know, here I'm a you know six four strong guy. I can take care of myself, successful, whatever. But I was actually afraid of being alone, and I was afraid of being hungry. And it's different mm-hmm. than feeling hunger. It's fear of hunger is actually like Winston Churchill said, you know, all we have to fear is fear itself kind of thing. Well, mm-hmm. and I didn't know the difference between hunger and cravings because I was always craving because I was eating food that was incompatible with my biology. Like uh, so many mm-hmm. people do. And I see it, you know, in line, you got, you know, people with, you know, handfuls of, of chips and candy and sodas and masks. And I'm like, you should put on your inner mask, which involves fixing your metabolism. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can also wear your external mask, but like, let's, let's do this right. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're dumb. It's because right. the assumptions and the beliefs and the emotions are all mixed up by advertising, by childhood, by all these things. I was like that. So I wanted to write a book and I said, all right, I want to write a book because part of my path of getting to where I, I am or even getting to starting Bulletproof was, so I got to face my fear head on and I hired a shaman to drop me off in the desert outside Sedona in a cave. So for four days, no food. So you can definitely fast when there's no food for 10 miles <laughs> and you can definitely experience loneliness when there's no people anywhere for 10 miles in any direction. So at that point, you're just going to have to face it and there's no choice, Right. And so I I tell the story of fasting in a cave and what the voice in your head will do to you and why that happens. And there's so much shame and guilt that I even felt. I'm like, God, you know, I'm working out an hour and a half a day, six days a week, whether I'm sick, whether I have final exams, doesn't matter. I'm going to lose this weight. You do that for 18 months and you're still a 46 inch waist and you're still wearing a double extra large shirt and you still have man boobs. And you're like, I'm eating too much lettuce. Um, you know, I, if only I could try harder, right? <laughs> well, it, it, I, I had those thoughts. I had those emotions, right? Yeah. Like it's me. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I, just, I want to write a book that anyone could pick up and go, wait a minute. I don't need to know the science of mTOR and autophagy and mitophagy. And I don't need to memorize the Krebs cycle and know that it has three electrons and all that. I, I did write that book and it, it, it won awards. Mm-hmm. It was a really good book and I learned so much. I wanted people to know the psychology and... I wanted people to know about the F words that drive all biology. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think your listeners would, would enjoy that. Yeah. So, so I'm a computer science guy. I studied artificial intelligence in my undergrad. And my whole career has been building and managing these giant distributed systems where you cannot possibly know everything all the time. And the human body's mm-hmm. like that. We don't know what's going on in there. I mean, we know some things, but every day we're like, oh, well, we didn't know about that thing. And so like just all over the place and we're, we're overturning what we thought we knew every week. Yeah. So the body is what we call in hacking a black box. You can put something in, you get something out, but you don't know everything in there. But can we change what we put in enough to get something out? And if so, can we figure out the rules of it? And I sat back and I said, all right, there's got to be a set of rules for life. And you look at it, tiny bacteria, they can stay alive for 2 billion years. So they must have some basic rules. And they don't have a lot of compute power. They don't have a lot of brains in there. In fact, there's no brains. They're tiny little things. So they can follow very simple rules. So what are the rules that all life has to follow? And number one, the thing that gets the most resources, the most attention, I mean, 10 times more than anything else, is run away from, kill, or hide from scary things. It's fear. Right? And right now, if there's you know, a, a guy with a crowbar banging on your door, all resources are focused on that right now. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. if the guy at the door is a pizza delivery guy, but yesterday it was a guy with a crowbar, you're still going to feel and act like it was a crowbar thing because we're not very good even at, as high-level organisms. But the bacteria are the ones that are driving this, and we are powered by and run by mitochondria, which are bacteria. So whether you're a zebra, a cactus, whatever, you have defense systems, and you're willing to put all of your resources into those because it's end of the world if you don't. So that's fear. The second F word is food. And that's because famines have killed everything. So a bacteria, anything else, hey, if there's food available, eat it, right? And that explains why you, you know, keep eating the muffins, right? <laughs> it's okay. It's normal. You're wired, not you, in your brain, in your cells, inside your cells. Every cell in your body is like, eat the muffin. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's something else that all life has to do. So if, if food gets you know, five times more attention, can you think of the third thing that all life has to do to stay around for a long time? Sex. Oh, it's, it's an F word. <laughs> Keep it clean. We, we talking about the same thing. <laughs> well, I was thinking of fertility. I don't know what you were thinking. Of. <laughs> I almost made you say it. Um, but yeah, it's fertility, right? And that gets about three times more attention than it deserves. Okay, so now mm-hmm. uh, you're listening to this. Uh, I'm just going to ask everyone who hears this. Think of something you've ever done that you're ashamed of that was not one of those three things. Can you think of one that you've ever done? It's not one of those, those three, three things. things. Fear, food, fertility. Nothing coming to mind. And no one's ever answered that uh, in a way. Yeah. I would love to find an answer to that. It's, so what's yeah. going on here is you are wired inside your cells. By the way, they get to receive things and think about things before you get to think about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you get the message sure. you know, a quarter second later. And, and if people are like, Dave, you're full of crap. If you've ever leaned on a hot stove and you pull your hand away, you didn't decide to pull your hand away. Something did that. It was them. They're there all the time watching you and they're whispering in your ear when there's food in front of you. And when you decide I'm going to fast and your metabolism isn't flexible, they're like, Mm -hmm. you're going to eat that. And then if you don't eat it, they turn on the first F word. So you get five times more attention on food. And if you don't eat it, Mm -hmm. oh my God, you're going to die because you're going to starve. So then they ramp it from five to 10, right? And then you stop thinking about that person you wanted to go out with because all of your attention is on this. And you're thinking, yeah, I'm so strong. I'm going to say no to the food. Look, sometimes you're not going to say no because your body hijacked you, okay? This is mm-hmm. what it's like when you're really fat. <laughs> and you, as soon as you finish eating you know, half the cookie after you argue with yourself for a half hour, and like, God damn it, why did I eat the cookie? Like, what, you know, what kind of a bad person? And no, you're just a person because you run on meat. And this is what meat does. By the way, it's also what trees do. <laughs> they just do it in their own way on their own, on their own timeline. It is part of being yeah. alive. So if I could write a book that got that through, you can drop all the shame about food and, and all of that and understand what if I did something different when I started my fast or when I exited mm-hmm. my fast so that I would not get that signal from my body that says I'm hungry or says I'm going to die if I don't eat. And mm-hmm. at that point, the amount of stress and pain and suffering that comes from fasting goes down dramatically. And suddenly, it's a way to save time and money. And it doesn't cost you anything emotionally. And it is so liberating. So I, I'm just not hungry. That's why I'm fasting. It's different than saying I'm fasting because I want all the benefits of mTOR and autophagy. <laughs> and, 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 Which are cool too, but yeah, that, that book needed to be written because I mean, you and I both know there are some fantastic books by world-leading fasting researchers that are out there, and your mm-hmm. new book will intuitive fasting. It, it's important this intuition side of things, and the reason I didn't just say, "Look, guys, just read this book." Like, there's a great book on cancer. I don't need to write a cancer book. There's a, the Bible on can, on cancer. Another one of our fasting friends, uh, Dr. Fung, wrote that right? Yeah. It doesn't need to be written again. And there's an Alzheimer's right. book. Uh, Dale Bredesen wrote it. Like, Great. Thanks, Dale. Like the end of Alzheimer's, we got it, right? So what yeah. could I add to the conversation? Otherwise, I'm not going to waste my time. And you know, writing a book, how many yeah. thousand hours do you think you put into your book? I Countless. I, I, every weekend on weekend. Yeah, it was uh, the, a long time. And do you make more per hour as a physician or as an author? Yes, as a, as a physician. <laughs> exactly. It's like the worst yeah. way ever to make, to make a living. But when, yeah. when it needs to be said and no one has said it, you have a moral obligation if you have the knowledge and you're sure of it to share it and to share it well. Yeah. So that, that's why. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And you definitely, it's, when you read the book, that is shown through. It is your, it's bringing something new to the conversation. I'm curious, over the years of you being really steeped in this information of fasting, of, of wellness, how has your, and maybe it didn't change at all, but has your relationship with fasting evolved since you first got into this space? Or, and and if, it's, if so, how? You know, my first time on a, quote, real fast, you know, multi-day fast was in a cave like that, just on water. And I was pretty amazed at, at all the changes that happened and all, but mm-hmm. I, it still took me a couple more years before I was willing to go for you know, two days or something. Cause I hadn't quite figured out the, the fasting hacks. And I, I don't think I have a normal life in that 
Okay. <laughs> Being an author is hard work, as you know. In fact, there are full-time authors, right? Um, especially for big books um, like the one you just wrote. And then doing a podcast with a couple hundred million downloads is also a full-time job. You know, that's a, a lot of work. What you do. Right. Yeah. But, oh, a venture-backed company with $80 million and four other companies and a neuroscience company and a dad and a father and all that stuff. So I don't, I don't have a lot of, of, of just like, I'm just going to sit here and do whatever kind of time. Um, and I, I've managed to get my energy and my focus right. Yeah, I can go for 12 hours all day today. I'm just not going to because some of those hours belong to my family and some of those belong to my health, but I'm on and I'm capable and all that. Um, so for me, it was that I didn't want to do a longer fast because I didn't want to give up the time and energy that I thought it would take. What's mm -hmm. evolved for me over time, and one of the reasons I wanted to write fast this way was that I can do an all-day fast and I can do a two-day fast and I can record four podcasts in that day and I can write and I can play with the kids and I can not yell at them when I play with them. And <laughs> so my resilience, my, my flexibility has gone up and I've also mm -hmm. really learned probably the newest thing that's in Fast This Way is something that I, I read about in my anti-aging book, uh, Superhuman. Um, I looked at so much research about soluble fiber or prebiotic fiber as we call it today. And then I looked at all the fasting pathways and I looked at how do I suppress hunger? Because hunger is the enemy of fasting. Okay? You can do a spiritual fast as I write about, or as you also write about, you use different words uh, with intuitive fasting, but you have uh, like gratitude built into your fasting and all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You can do that. And that's when you're going to go and you can really feel the hunger, feel the emotions. The rest of the time, like maybe you just don't have time for it. So mm. I looked and I already know you can do bulletproof coffee intermittent fasting. People have like a million plus pounds on that. It totally works and it has for 10 years. And there's tens of thousands of people who have lost so much weight uh, and mm -hmm. also just feel better and recover from things. So I don't worry when people say, oh, it's not fasting when you have bulletproof coffee. I'm like, I don't call it leprechaun soup. I don't really care. Like <laughs> yeah, it works, right? right? And, and I yeah, know the pathways results. and I wrote about them. So whatever. Yeah. But Adding soluble fiber as a fasting hack, you know, there's, there's three big hacks in the book to turn off the pain of fasting. Um, unless you're doing something specific to your gut bacteria by avoiding all inputs, there's a great argument for doing that at least some of the time when you're fasting, especially as a beginning faster. Because then, mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. I didn't eat the muffin this morning. Right? And yeah. like, that's a win. And who cares if you Absolutely. cheated during a fast because you didn't raise your insulin, <laughs> you didn't eat any protein, it's okay. So for me, soluble yeah. fiber is a recent addition in the last two or three years to my fasting practice, and it helps. How do you recommend, obviously you talk about this in the book, but how do you recommend getting the soluble fiber when someone's fasting? Well, when you're fasting, you're probably going to do it as uh, taking a, a prebiotic supplement. And I talk about different categories of them, and certainly I've made one for Bulletproof, but I'm not here to sell Bulletproof products. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe they're well-made because I made them. <laughs> but they are. They are the, well-made. The type of ingredients uh, that work are acacia gum, which is a sap of a tree. And the reason I talk about these is there are multiple clinical studies showing that they feed the bacteria that make butyric acid and propionic acid, both of which mm -hmm. help ketosis. And there are studies that show they don't raise your blood glucose levels. So what's going on is your body's like, I can't use that. But then the bacteria get it and they're like, yeah, I'm going to make some fat out of this. The kind of fat that's hard to get. You can, you can order pills made out of butyric acid. They smell like socks and you have to take a lot of them. And it's good for you to do that. You can eat some grass-fed butter, which has a little bit of butyric acid. But just have an onboard manufacturing thing. Do it during your fast. And mm -hmm. that is, uh, is why acacia gum is in there. There's also larch or abenogalactin. The, the thing, when I say in there, I'm talking about inner fuel, which is a bulletproof thing, but you can, these ingredients are available. Larch or abenogalactin is another type of tree sap. And it's just stuff that feeds the good guys. And then there's also hydrolyzed guar gum, yet another type of sap or a plant resin anyway. And mm -hmm. some people go, well, that's cheating or that's a supplement. Look, we have a long history of taking plants, which 99% of them will kill you if you eat them. Plants are toxic, right? And some of the ones that we eat regularly, we have forgotten how to eat. Uh, and they're still toxic because plants don't want us to eat their babies. Remember that first F word? You know, yeah. protect yourself from fear. Since they can't run away, they're like, here's some chemicals that are bad for you. So mm -hmm. in ancient times, oh, let's ferment that. You know, let's boil it three times or let's soak it overnight or let's cook it in a certain way because that minimized the harm. Well, when you take something like 
any of those three things I talked about, acacia gum, right? Well, what we've done is instead of just cooking it, we're using laboratory processes, not harmful solvents and chemicals and stuff, but things mm-hmm. that allow us to filter out exactly the plant components with none of the irritating stuff. And one of the reasons fasting works so well for people that they don't know, that that's just core to my work, step one to having better health, feeling better, sleep, better, everything, stop doing the stuff that makes you weak. And it's oftentimes pulling out the lectins, pulling out the oxalates, pulling out the phytic acid, pulling out the mycotoxins, pulling out histamines. These are things that are in food for a reason. Mm. So you don't eat it. Yeah. You pull those out and right. all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my joints stop hurting. I don't have arthritis anymore because I found out I am sensitive to nightshades. If I eat my favorite food, New Mexico green chili, I will have arthritis for two weeks. I don't eat it anymore. You know, it was, it's worth it to not mm-hmm. eat it. And maybe once every 10 years, I'll eat it to remind myself of how much I love it and how much I'm never eating it again because I really suffer. But the guy sitting next to me eats it and is like, this is great, can I have more? So you got to know what's doing that. But when you fast, you get nothing. Everyone has some kryptonite foods, but you don't know what they are. So you got nothing. You, you burn clean, you run clean. And then the ketones kick in. And when ketones kick in, as you well know from ketotarian and you know, the, the stuff that we share, well, you got more electrons and your neurons are really happy with that. And all of a sudden, no yeah. garbage, even if it was garbage that we've been eating for thousands of years because it was all we had and plants are better than famine. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, and by the way, I'm, I'm in favor of eating plants, just don't eat the inflammatory ones. And then yeah. you get to that next level, like oh, more energy and less garbage. And then you have this state of, wow, I feel amazing. I, just, I wanted people to feel that without having to you know, go through, go through as much pain as I did. I love it. I love it. So what's the product again? I, it's I, called I need to get it. Inner it. Fuel. It, it's a mix of inner. those three types of prebiotic fibers yeah. and clinical study doses and all that. And I love it. the way you take it, throw it in a smoothie. If you're not fasting, if you are fasting, it dissolves and has just about zero flavor. I mean, really, really neutral. So what I'll typically do is I'll make a cup of black. I use Bulletproof coffee beans because they don't have that mold in them. Um, but mm-hmm. you can do black coffee of any type if it actually doesn't give you cravings. By the way, a lot of coffee, especially decaf, will cause cravings because of the toxin load. Uh, but you put that in there and that alone, black coffee with caffeine is a fasting hack. And we'll, I can talk about the science there for uh, in a little bit. Yeah. But if you put that in that, you can also put it in tea, you just put it in warm water and you just blend it for a second. It goes poof. It doesn't add like a thickness. Like this is not Metamucil. It's not psyllium husk. <laughs> it's not holes yeah. of some kind of thing. This is like completely disappears in, in liquid and you, you drink it and then you're like, wow, I, I'm strangely not caring about food at all. That's an easy fast versus, man, I have emotional support today. You know, I, I'm going to call my fasting sponsor, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to avoid the cookie. It's just better if the cookie doesn't tell you to eat it in the first place because the cells in your body are like, our hormones are set. So we're, we don't need mm-hmm. it. Love that. Wow. That's really cool. And I'm going to, again, that's something that you're bringing to the table. That's really not talked about in the fasting it's community new. at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. And I know there will be some like angry, uh, you know, righteous fasters going, you put something in your body during a fast. But part of the other reason I wrote fast this way is that the definition of fasting is going without. And you can fast from lots of things. You can fast from social media. You can fast from carbs. It's called the keto diet. You can fast from animal stuff. It's called um, not a very good diet. It's also called the vegan diet. Um, <laughs> you can, you know, you can fast from alcohol, right, or from cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Right? There's all kinds of fasts. And in fact, the more spiritual side of things and the call to action at the end of fast this way is fast from hate. Like do an intermittent hate fast. Just spend three hours and don't think one hateful thought about another person or thing. That's really hard, right? But if you practice that, you can actually improve your ability to do it. Because I promise you, thinking hateful thoughts, we can measure it with EEGs. I I, I do that. Thinking hateful thought costs you. It doesn't cost the person you're hating. So there's all kinds of just going without whatever. Go without heat for a little while. Um, That's called cold exposure. It's also a kind of fasting. Do breathing exercises or intermittent hypoxic therapy, which is something that I've written about. We do it at Upgrade Labs, one of my other companies. You go brief periods of time without oxygen. Okay, it's called asphyxiation and dying if you do too much of it. But if you do it for a brief period, it makes you stronger. And, and that's the other side that you nailed in intuitive fasting and that I wanted to bring to awareness is you don't have to fast the same way every day. 
In fact, overfasting, there's a word for that too. It's called starvation. And when your hair starts to fall out, your thyroid breaks and you lose your cycle. If you're a woman or if you're a guy, you wake up and there's no kickstand anymore. You should have <laughs> breakfast. I, I'm just saying, and it shouldn't be a croissant. Yeah. It should be fat and it should be protein. And if you do that, you'll do way better over the years. Yeah. And when I say over the years, I mean over the hundreds of years that some people listening can live given where the science is going right now. So good, so good. So you mentioned, you touched on it. And I'd like to go back to it. It was actually my, my, one of the questions I want to get to you is you, you go over these hacks and we talked about the fiber. We've talked about some of the other hacks, but you mentioned coffee, but you say black coffee is a hack in and of itself yeah. for fasting. Can you explain the pathway of that and how that works? Yeah, um, this was also Dr. Kinane at uh, UC San Diego. Uh, came out with a, uh, okay, now I'm kicking myself. I'm hoping it's not San Diego State. No, he's a UC guy. Um, he came out with a study that showed the amount of caffeine in two small cups of black coffee will double ketone production. So if you think about this right, and I don't really call this a fasting hack, but let's just say you do what I do and you have dinner early, like have dinner at 5.30. So part of my goal is I want everyone to start having an earlier dinner. Dinner got pushed late because we had to commute home. Well, hey, most people aren't even allowed to go to work right now, so you might as well have an earlier dinner, right? You'll sleep better, trust me. But let's say you have dinner at 5.30, you're done at, you're done by seven, okay? You go to bed at 10, you got three hours where you haven't eaten. And then you sleep for eight hours, you got 11 hours. And if you're looking for a 16 or an 18 hour window, all you have to do is skip breakfast and you can, it's not even that hard to do it. But if in the morning you have, uh, you know, basically one medium or large cup of coffee with nothing in it, no MCT oil, no butter, certainly no sugar, no sweetener. Um, if you do that, it's going to make the fast more powerful. And by raising ketones, if you can get them up just a little bit, it does magic. And when I say magic, there's two different hormones that are involved here. One is cholecystokinin, uh, which I know you know about from Ketoterian and all that stuff, or CCK. Mm -hmm. And when you can get your ketone levels up to, that one is 0.38 on a finger stick. That's very low, right? Mm -hmm. You actually raise your CCK levels. CCK makes you feel full. And if you can get them up to 0.48, which is also still very low, your mm -hmm. ghrelin will drop, which is the hunger hormone. So all of a sudden, just a little bump in the morning of ketones and you stop caring about food. And that's the trick of fasting. It's not to overcome a desire for food. It's to turn off the desire for food so you don't have to overcome it. And then all the willpower you're going to spend on the muffin, you could spend on being a better partner, being a better person, doing something useful or just doing whatever, right? That's why it's so important to know about the fasting hacks. I can't mm -hmm. get my ketone levels up to 0.5 just on black coffee if I have carbs the night before. But I have tested this where I stack the, the hacks. If I, I can have a pound of sushi with rice, okay, that will take out of ketosis unquestionably, right? You know, full yeah. on, you know, with some sake. And then <laughs> the next morning, I can do a larger cup of black coffee. I will put in a small amount of butter. You don't need that much. And butter transforms the water chemistry. And then I will put in some of the Bulletproof C8 MCT oil. And I will blend it. And blending does something important. Uh, and then I'll drink it. And about a half hour later on a finger stick, I can get to 0.5. And at that point, I actually have enough ketones that I'm getting the metabolic benefits of ketones, but I don't care about food and I can go right back into a ketogenic state and I can fast. Mm -hmm. I can do that for several days. That night, I have just protein and fat. Next night, protein, fat, and I'm going to be in full-on ketosis, but the entire time I'll enjoy the ketones. But most importantly, the entire time, I didn't ever think, I really want to eat that because I didn't. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a sense of freedom that's really cool. Yeah, but it's not that like, I'm, really cool. I'm not doing a low calorie thing necessarily. I'm still eating when I eat. I eat. Yeah, right. So there's a freedom. There's a flexibility there. What is the blending? You said the blending does something special. What does the blending do? Um, this is something that I have not written about. Uh, I don't think even on my blog yet. So a couple of years ago, uh, Dr. Gerald Pollack, um, who's a, a leading researcher in water chemistry at a University of Washington he approached me and said, I really want to run some tests on this thing called exclusions on water and lipid membranes. So lipid membranes are basically little tiny droplets of fat. It's what our cell membranes are made of. They're not like a Ziploc bag, as you well know, mm -hmm. but for listeners, 
they're tiny drops of fat. And you can change the type of fat they're made out of based on what you eat and all of that. And I said, all right, I'd, I'd love to fund some research in this because I think it's important and we don't know it. And what he found was that for us to make energy, to make ATP in our cells, or for us to, to fold proteins the way we do for all of our biological activities, you can't use the water that you drink. You have to take the water you drink and transform it by putting it next to a lipid membrane and exposing it to 1200 nanometer light. It's also called body heat. <laughs> so basically you have to heat it up <laughs> and vibrate it a little bit. Moving around helps as well. So when you take droplets of butter fat, which create the largest exclusion zone that he's ever seen. And when I say zone, you can see it on a microscope. This isn't like, you know, airy-fairy structured water, although it is a structured water, but it's visible, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's hard, it's hard to, to say. It's not like, you know, I, I waved a wand over the water. It, it's that like there's a strip on a magnum, on a, not a magnifying glass, but on a microscope. And yeah. so he measures the different sizes of these and he says, oh, that's funny. MCT oil and butter both make an exclusion zone. So when you blend the water, you're doing what the Tibetans figured out a long time ago. My inspiration for Bulletproof Coffee was Tibetan yak butter tea. And I'm on the side of Mount Kailash, 18,000 feet elevation. And you watch this, when I say little old lady, I mean that with great respect, little as in she's half my height, she's Tibetan and I'm like a giant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she so take tea and they pour it into this wooden butter churn and they put like a glob, not a lot, just a little bit of yak butter. And then for 10 minutes, she'd sit there and be like, and like mixing it in a butter churn. This was before mm-hmm. battery powered hand blenders were a thing uh, when I was there. <laughs> and you know what? Then they would drink it and they would eat a little bit of barley flour. And these guys who would do that, they could carry more than I could carry. They were warm all the time. Like they would wear half the clothes I was wearing. I watched the guy dip his entire lower body into a frozen river accidentally. And I thought I was going to get hypothermia and die. So I give him my extra parka. And he goes, oh, thanks. And he puts it in his backpack. (laughs) It wasn't even cool. I was like, this guy's like the strongest man ever. Yeah. Part of what they had figured out, because they live in an area with little food and little air, little oxygen, what if we did the structuring of the water, not with body heat that takes calories, but we do it mm-hmm. with, you know, chunka, chunka, chunka with a, a butter churn. And then they drink it and then they feel good. Well, we're doing the same thing when we blend this. So if you want to not get cold during a fast and you want your biochemical processes to keep going, you can be a purist. You can put like a quarter teaspoon of butter in there and blend it up and it'll work better than if you don't. And it's water chemistry. And that $50,000, a couple of years after I made the donation without any like outcomes tied to it, it was, it was to support general research. Um, I got the paper just a little while ago that said, hey, look, this is the other reason that blending works. Because I will tell you, and you, you know this as a, a longstanding keto leader, if you eat a stick of butter, it doesn't do the same thing as if you cook with it or mix it into your food. Like it, mm-hmm. it made me mad. I should just eat like a Snickers bars, half a, a stick of butter and drink some espresso and I'm good to go. Except you just, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. That's why mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And as a fasting hack, right. if you really want to just like have the, the day where food doesn't matter, you take 20 grams of soluble fiber, tablespoon or so of brain octane or the C8 MCT oil and whatever, anywhere from a teaspoon to a tablespoon of butter, you blend it up in a giant cup of coffee and you drink that. You couldn't eat breakfast if you wanted to. Love that. That's an amazing fasting hack. So, I mean, my friend, I could talk to you all all day long, all night long about this stuff. Um, Before we go, the the show is called The Art of Being Well. and that that science art duality of what we do, you're really good at holding that space of the balance between the two. But if going back to that guy that was struggling with those health problems that you were struggling with way back in the day, struggling with fatigue, struggling with weight loss resistance, what do you wish that he knew that you know now about the art of being well? The, the art of being well is really about understanding that the knowledge already exists and people want to help. You just have to find the right people. Mm. I keep on my shelf a copy of the Robert Atkins book, The Atkins Diet, you know, the keto diet from 1972. The book was published the year I was born. And I keep it on my shelf, one of the first editions, because it reminds me that when I was a fat 16-year-old, the knowledge existed, but it wasn't evenly distributed. And then I think to when I 
didn't see a doctor for four years because my doctor told me vitamin C would kill me and didn't believe me when I told him I was eating very little and exercising all the time and stayed fat. He thought I was lying. And if I had set aside the anger and I had understood that A, people do want to help you and B, you've got to learn discernment to figure out which people to trust, which people do the work, which people walk the talk, which people look like they walk the talk, act like it. And you can figure this out. So mm -hmm. the number one piece of advice would have been, hey, the, the art of being well, find people who are well, who are doing it, whether they're allowed to do it or not, whether it's supposed to work or not, and ask them how they did it. And they will save you years of suffering and they'll save you a million dollars. Yes, that is so well said. One of the things that I, I think is necessary uh, when you're an author, you spend those, those, that time to put your knowledge down and you can't expect people are just going to read your book. Uh, so I'm stepping up like you are uh, with your podcast and saying, I'm actually going to teach what's in my book. So when people mm -hmm. buy Fast This Way and they send me the receipt on fastthisway.com, I'm actually going to teach them the stuff that's in the book. And it's a series of little mini courses over the course of a couple of weeks, but I'm doing it in community. And I would invite your listeners uh, to yeah. join uh, for that. It's just a two-week thing. Uh, I'm not trying to hook you in uh, for anything like that. But I just feel like as a former teacher at the University of California, I was derelict in my duties of sharing knowledge with my previous books because I would kind of write it and assume you'd read it. But sometimes you need, you need the teacher to teach it. Uh, so mm -hmm. you are doing that as well uh, with, with your book where you're teaching people what you've written. So I'm stepping up that way and I would just invite people, send the receipt for Fast This Way to, to me at fastthisway.com and I've got your back. I just want you to, to try fasting Love successfully. That. And anyone who's listening to your show who hasn't bought your book on intuitive fasting is missing out. I, I regularly share that with my readers and listeners because it's a really good book and it's a different take on it. And it's, it's one that's got stuff you can't read anywhere else. Dave, thank you so much for the kind words. I'll def definitely do that as well. I didn't know you were doing that. I mean, it's such an important thing to bring people in community and to learn from the best about this. That's a great idea. What an awesome, awesome thing you're doing for that. Thanks, brother. My friend, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you are welcome. Thanks, Will. What an awesome guy. Really, over the years, he's been such a supportive human being in my life, and I'm very, very thankful for him. If you want to learn more about Dave Asprey, you can go to daveasprey.com. That's D-A-V-E-A-S-P-R-E-Y.com. And please check out his amazing book, Fastest Way. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. All right, my friends, now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. This question is from Chelsea. Chelsea asks, I'm struggling with hair loss and nothing I've tried works. What causes hair loss? That's a great question. And I'm so sorry you're going through that, Chelsea. A hair loss, like really any health problem in functional medicine, we see that as a check engine light. Like you have a check engine light on your car, you know it's on, but why? Same thing when it comes to weight loss resistance or fatigue or anxiety or depression or brain fog, the check engine light's on, but why? Hair loss is no exception to this. So we have to look physiologically, uh, what's underneath that hood, so to speak, that's causing that check engine light to be on in the first place. So looking at things like nutrient deficiency, looking at iron deficiency, looking at selenium and magnesium deficiency, looking at vitamin D deficiency, all of these things are associated in the scientific literature to increase risk of hair loss. We have to look at the thyroid hormone. That's one of the top causes of hair loss. Looking at a full thyroid panel, not just a TSH and T4, but writing total T4, total T3, free T3, free T4, looking at the thyroid antibodies and seeing if there's an autoimmune thyroid component like Hashimoto's disease or Graves' disease. 
Other autoimmune issues like alopecia uh, can also uh, be happening. Uh, that's another top cause that I consult patients with online when it comes to hair loss. This is when the immune system attacks the hair follicle, something called molecular mimicry. It's sort of the case of mistaken identity when the immune system attacks the hair follicle as a virus or bacteria and causes hair loss. That way, same mechanism that's at play with Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroid, only that's attacking the thyroid, the immune system attacking the thyroid, triggering an autoimmune thyroid issue. Uh, looking at other hormonal issues, looking at testosterone levels, looking at estrogen and progesterone levels, imbalances of those can also cause uh, hair loss as well. And then looking at stress and trauma or lack of sleep or all of the above, that can also trigger hair loss as well. That won't always show up on the basic labs, but is a part of their puzzle. And then gut issues. I don't know if I mentioned that. We have to look at the gut when it comes to hair loss as well. So hopefully that was helpful. Chelsea, we see the check engine lights on, but we have to look at why. Everybody's different, so we have to look at cases on an individual basis. That's what I consult people all day long on. So if you have more questions, you or anybody else can check out drwillcole.com for more information. That's it for today. Thanks again for hanging out with me. I would love to know what you think about the art of being well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday. And I hope you will too. Talk soon.